0: What
1: we do here is go back, back,
2: back, 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 back. Welcome, welcome to the Hustle Sold Separately Weekly podcast dedicated to all of you amazing human beings who tune in every single week. I am grateful. 7.2 3 million downloads I think is what we're up to now which is insanely uh, awesome and uh it's been several years and I just I appreciate you guys for tuning in and I would say you know a lot of our listeners all of you guys range from your beautiful outlier anti-status quo artists to entrepreneurs to innovators creators you know, people just really passionate about building something in this world that you believe doing, you know, from your soul. And uh, to my new listeners, because we've had a lot of new listeners, I really appreciate you guys. Um, you know, I always say we don't glamorize or glorify success on this podcast, because I can't define success for you. It's it, 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 it will never be something that anybody can define for you that has to come from you. And, you know, while society is very good at using metrics to do that, uh, and I understand, but ultimately it's what feels right for you. And so every week I have guests that come on and we have really great in-depth conversations about what it has been their process. What is something that they're passionate about? What are they in? What are they learning about themselves while they're building the first venture, their 50th venture, or you know, um, a, a project that they're really ingrained in right now, or um, an organization that they're building? And when you see that we're all fundamentally the same, you know, that's the beauty of of human nature. We're all fundamentally the same. And, and but when we're operating from our soul, you know, you can't lose. So um, thank you for tuning in. And thank you for all the five star uh, reviews and the written reviews. Those are huge. Apple uses that to promote the show. So please feel free to keep doing that. And I have another great guest today that I've gotten to know over the course of this last year. David Berry, he's the founder and principal of Rule Thirteen Learning LLC, and he's the VP of People and Culture at Municipal. Um, some of you guys may or may not know. Uh, I get I got to be part of their first class of mentors. Municipal Clothing, um, and uh, I love this company. And we had Harry Arnett on the show, uh, you know, a year or two ago as well. And I love everything about what they stand for as a, a culture and and how they build community. But we're going to focus on David today. And today's th- this theme, and I'll get into his bio in a second. But we're going to talk about living and leading with humility. And you guys already know how I feel about this uh, this topic because I feel like humility is often misunderstood, and that um, we humility is a superpower. It's something that I said several times I think in the content. It's a superpower. With that which you don't know, (laughs) you can find out, you can ask for help. And I think often at times, People don't realize the power that humility has. I don't know this, but I'm clear I want to know. So I have, I'm have. i clear I have to go find out how to go get and make that happen. And it allows you in a lot of areas of your life, not just in business, but also in your personal endeavors. I mean, it's really how it builds your own personal growth. And, and quite frankly, it keeps you grounded and out of, you know, um, missing the details when you're maybe uh, flying a little too high <laughs> and, and thinking like, oh, I've got all this. Everything is great. Everything is, is amazing. No, I think it allows you to really check in with yourself and have very honest conversations with where you're at, what you're needing, what's working, what's not working. It keeps you clear in so many different ways, and we're gonna we're gonna dive into all the different areas. I think humility really plays out, and I, I'm really grateful to have David talk about this, especially with his new book. Uh, so, real quick, just bio. I mentioned he's the founder, principal of Rule Thirteen Learning, and it's a coaching and leadership development consultancy. So, you know, we're gonna dive into all the rabbit holes for sure. Uh, as well as the VP of People and Culture at Municipal, a uh, 30-year career in business and higher education. He's worked with leaders of all levels of organizational life, currently serves as the VP, as I mentioned. And, um, you know, Municipal is an organization just helped uh, established in 2019 uh, where he's helping with the vision, you know, to create a global movement of inspired people who refuse to stop pursuing their full potential. So, I mean, the man's clearly in his right role (laughs) over there at municipal and I'm honored when I, when I read that I'm honored to be even, you know, one of the mentors and helping do that. Uh, in 2005, he was invited to join Taylor made Adidas golf company became the company's first VP for leadership and organizational development. And, uh, the leadership coaching initiative in support of the company's extraordinary growth of 600 million to 1.6 billion is not always easy uh 2013 he founded rule 13 learning as i mentioned and it supports leaders who strive to build more resilient effective and change ready organizations he's the author of two books more daring life finding voice at the crossroads of change and that was back in 2016 and more recently, more human than otherwise, living and leading with humility. So we're going to talk about the book, but we're you know we're going to talk about a lot about humility in general. And uh, I I've got a couple other things on him, uh, but I'm I'm going to stop there because you know first I want to welcome him to the show. So David, thank you for being here. I appreciate you coming on the show.
0: You are most welcome, mm-hmm. and thank you for inviting me on.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, this is going to lead into the second question I, I, I mentioned before the show. The first question is always the same for everybody. And the rest is a complete riff uh, of just us talking about these topics. How do we get here? You know, there's a couple other things that I didn't mention yet, because I figured you're going to probably go over maybe a little bit in the um, uh, in your journey. And that always gives the the audience that context of like, I can see why this is something very passionate. You know I can see what he's gone through and what he's you know what's been working and and what's been pivoting. So I would love for you to give a little bit more of the journey to here and you can go as far back as you want.
0: thank you. and 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 happy to do it. and And first, I want to say, um I want to uh, think about the lead in to the to the show and talking about anti-status quo, and I want to carve yes. out a little bit of space in that anti-status quo branch of this endeavor of of your podcast, because Mm -hmm. I think that's precisely what, what we're talking about in the context of humility as it relates to leadership and organizational life. Okay. So, so that, that thread I want to pull as we go. Um, And and I also want to name just the perfect example that's, that, that is represented in our having this conversation, because you mentioned that you are among the first small group of people outside of the organization we invited in to become municipal mentors the first group of people who would interact with folks from our customer base in a beta test of you know can a, <laughs> can, a cor- can a corporation set up a um a different uh, avenue of interaction with its customers that has to do with the fulfillment of their full potential and how do you do that well you 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 go out and find people who are good at having those kinds of conversations and invite them into the mix. And just that experience of saying, we need to go beyond ourselves, get qualified people, say that we don't know how to do this, but we know it's important to do, or at least to try to do, who can we find? And you are one of those folks (laughs) who is willing to say yes and help us to define it And and to me, it's a great example of striving as organizations to get beyond ourselves a little bit and say, there's other people who have expertise, there's other people who have points of view, that our job is to be really good facilitators for the benefit of our customers, of attaching them to other kinds of folks who speak to the values that our brand espouses and as a result, helps the whole thing to grow. So I just wanna name that you've played an instrumental role in helping us to start something that we believe in and are still working to figure out the best way to grow. Um, so good things to come there, but it's a good example of of uh, that I'm proud of, of kind of getting outside our own bubble and saying, there's other people, let's get them in the mix because that's the way we're gonna make this thing actually live. Yeah. So.
2: Yeah, no. And thank you for that. And and, of course, the only thing I want to add to that is that I, I, I love, I love that you guys did that. I didn't even hesitate. The moment I was asked, I was like, let's do this. And I think it's so valuable when you guys did that, because that is the world that we live in now more than ever, especially online. People just want to be a part of the process. And it's so great when you communicate to people. And I know we're going to probably go down this rabbit hole, but when you communicate to people, hey, we're trying this thing out because we want to help. And uh, please be a part of it and including the people that you serve. And it's always fascinating to watch because the people you serve go, thanks, like, and thank you for being so honest and open about it. And and they the trust starts almost instantly because they're like, wow, like, you're just doing this to help. And you're openly admitting that you're figuring out all the systems and the ways to deliver it. That's right. You know, and people just really appreciate that. So yeah. I'm glad I got to I, be part I, of it. I,
0: that that that's what we're hearing and so yeah. we're going to build on that foundation in the year ahead and see if we can take it to you know do, take the next step and get more people involved and benefit more people who are trying to push the boundaries of their own um professional life and personal life because they believe in themselves and and like all of us we we need support to to get to the next level of our own impact so that's mm-hmm. what we're that's what we're working on so how did so how do we get here that, yes. that's the question that's a long way to work up to your question <laughs> and there's there's just a thousand ways to answer it <laughs> of course i come back to this one when i was 14 years old my sister on the first day of my freshman year of high school walked me into the choir room and told Jim Shepard, my brother can sing, and he needs to be in the choir. And she had heard me in church. She had heard me, you know, through, you know, uh, on uh, throughout our many, many neighborhood talent shows over the years. And sure enough, Mister Shepard hits a few keys, and I can match pitch, and I'm in the choir. Now, what I discovered was I really could sing. And this was, this was a gift that I had been given and um, one that I now had the chance to cultivate in this new environment of high school. And it was the perfect situation for finding out what humility meant uh, in, in my life in this way. Mm. I was a big fish in a small pond. I got every solo. I got the lead in the musical three years in a row because I was a guy and I could sing. And that is a rare commodity. <laughs> in many, that was a rare commodity in many, in many schools. I, I never, now you know, people at the time might challenge this. It's been 30 years and I may have colored the memory just a little bit, but I don't remember feeling arrogant about using my gift i remember feeling joyful i remember Mm. thinking this is awesome that i have this and i love that i get to use it and that i get to use it in an unimpeded way the downside of that was that i never bumped up against an edge that said hey david you know you gotta keep getting better you gotta you gotta learn Mm. not just the art of music which i was always good at the art and the feel of it but i wasn't so good at the craft uh, the actual musical theory that great musicians spend a lifetime's learning and applying. So I was kind of winging it in this really loose, fun, high schoolish kind of way and having a great, great time. That skill set qualified me to get some scholarship money to sing in choir when I went to college, and I ended up through just grace. My stepfather whispered in my ear, hey, you should check out Loyola Marymount up in L.A. It's a pretty good school. It's where I went to school was not on my radar. It turns out they had a world renowned choral music program and I got in and I got a little bit of scholarship money, as I said, and I'm in and I'm feeling like this is my spot, right? I'm I'm home and I got cut down to size so fast (laughs) in such a beautifully necessary (laughs) and abrupt way right? because I was playing a much bigger game with a much smaller set of tools Mm. and and but the director didn't didn't hold that against me he in fact moved towards that and he said Mm. you belong here and you need to take some extra coursework to build up your 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 music theory abilities, you need to sit in the front row because the experienced singers will sit behind you and they'll educate you just through how they show up, how they prepare, etc. It was a four-year master class in learning how to be a really thoughtful and more professional musician. The reason that this matters so much to me today is because I don't know of a context people who've played team sports at a really high level probably have a similar um, perspective on this, but I'm not sure that those can compete with what happens in a, in a choral music situation because a few things are demanded of you in that environment. You, first of all, have to be responsible for yourself. You have to come prepared. You can fake it, for a little while, a friend of mine, a good friend of mine, said, "I David, I didn't, I didn't literally utter a sound for the first semester. I was so scared. So you can go that route, and that was a self-preservation route. And I really understand why he said that because it was a, it was an intense environment. But you ultimately you learn you have to be responsible for yourself. Then you have to be co-responsible for your section, and then you have to be co-responsible for the whole." In choral music, there's either four, sometimes eight parts singing all at once. And so the demand is that you are so prepared individually that you can then attend to two other very, very important things that are going on. The director who's showing you, telling you, guiding you, and then every other vocal part that your job is to play off of in a way that's appropriate to the making of something beautiful. I am not the first person to say this, but music—music music is not about the notes on the page. It's what we do with the notes on the page, right? Um, the expression of music—music music comes from the interplay, especially choral music, and and being in a band. And anytime you've got multiple people involved, it's it's knowing your stuff, attending to and listening to others, and then together learning how to move in this beautiful kind of. Um, this dance or this kind of synchronous uh, um, uh, way of communication, sometimes verbal, most of the time not, where you, you, you listen, you feel, and you interpret. And you only can do that through through just very, very close attention. Now, here's the, here's the capper for me, that this didn't come till many, many years later when I was fully geeking out on leadership and, and organizational culture kinds of stuff. I read a book called The Art of Possibility, And this was written by Benjamin Zander and Rosamond Zander. And in the book, Ben Zander says, I was 45 years old. I was a conductor of a major philharmonic um, orchestra. And I learned finally that the conductor is the only musician in the entire organization who does not make a sound. Mm. And that sealed it for me. The most powerful person in the room has no responsibility for producing anything, but their job is to make the other people powerful. That is the job of leadership. And I don't think that context matters. I don't think it matters if you're in a symphony orchestra or in a choir room um, or any other venue or uh, any other kind of organizational setting. So we can dig in deeper to that, but I, I can't get away from that feeling of coming home to the choir room at 14 years old and knowing and then learning over time that there was more to that than just my getting a chance to express myself musically. But it was actually setting me up for a lifetime of meaningful work because of the lessons I got to participate in, the mistakes I got to make, and the way that those mistakes could be held by a group whose larger commitment was to helping everyone learn so we could create something much, much larger than ourselves.
2: You know, there's two, well, there's a lot in there. That was, thank you for sharing all that. There was two things that came to mind when you were, <laughs> when you talk about talent, talent and winging it, um, I, there's something, I realized we learned so much humility in our talent and gifts. And it's interesting when we don't, fully understand it and we just naturally have it, you know, we sometimes, I I don't want to say we neglect it, but we don't maybe respect it enough to go into the mastery of it. And it wasn't until I, and I've been really on a Kobe kick the last few years um, more than ever. I mean, I've always loved Kobe, but it was just different when I realized that I used to think if you have talent, you know, and it's just great, it's natural ability. But when you bring structure to it and discipline to it, you actually don't limit it, you expand it. And I was always worried that like, oh, you know, it's just, you know, I wing it. You know, that's just what I do. It's the flexibility. It's how the creativity comes through. Right. And I learned real humility when I realized there are people less talented doing way better at that thing than me. (laughs) I was like, and not not just less talented, but also more talented. You had a a wide range, but I was like, what is making them so gifted in these areas? And I, and I went back to the drawing board on a lot of them, and I saw a level of discipline with these people that I was like, it's, you know, time to, if you really love what you do. And, and there's a reason I'm bringing this up, because it's not just with our talent. Anything good in our life requires a discipline and a work and an energy towards it, partnership, you know, spouse- friends, family, our work, you know, in the way we serve, the humility allows us to stay in the work and always building upon that even more. And then the other thing that you brought up that I, I love, the most powerful person in that room, uh, I paraphrased but between several things that you were saying, but basically is helping others bring their gifts to the world. Right. You know, that's leadership. Um, Putting, you know, its it's not about look at me, it's about look at we, like look at if if I'm here to help cultivate and bring all of them together, um, what can we create together? And how do we create an environment that allows that cohesiveness? Because we have to move together. Because if we don't move together, we can't actually all play off of each other. Team dynamics. Right. And I love right. team dynamics because team is how we win championships, right? So, yeah. um, you know, I would, I would love for you to expand, you know, even more on on team dynamics and, um, you know, how, and maybe you can talk about whether it's in the business environment, especially, you know, okay. Yeah, actually selfishly, I'm going to actually pick an area. Um, you know, when we have more of an, uh, an environment that has created the space for people to not, um, to invite their personal development into it, so hey, you've got these talents, and we want to nurture it. We also want the balance between your personal responsibility and us helping you within that, so you grow and how that works with other with others. You know, not all work environments are created equal. <laughs> not not, not a, you know, and previous generations were a little bit different, uh, or previous um, legacy companies have been, you know, different. Uh, how talk? I would love for you to expand on how you see that differently and why, how you guys view um, cohesiveness and an environment and creating that space for people to nurture their talents, but also work cohesively. And also maybe welcome, you know, um, mistakes. Mistakes are like, are, are, are amazing because if I don't, I can't correct if I don't know if there's a mistake, you know, and we have a lot of uh, legacy, Institutions where it was sort of like you know, so blame blame somebody or or push it under the rug or don't deal with it because what what that would that look like to somebody else? But then we're not cultivating excellence or like our or our our best self. So I would, I mean, I'm probably all over the board, but I would love for you to just go on a tear about you know environment. It's 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 a it's a mess. Here, here's here's the thing. <laughs> <Thank> <laughs> in, you. in, you're you're not a mess.
0: What you said no. is not a mess. The right. mess is the mess is what we encounter every day and the challenge to our idealism and and maybe it's pragmatism. I believe mm. it actually is pragmatism to say, we must encourage and build an environment where mistakes are possible because otherwise we can't learn. So let me go back to the, cause, <laughs> it, cause, cause they're happening anyway. All the right? time, right. And so, what if we could say um, celebrate that, um, and then work with it, yeah, um, as opposed to denigrate and 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 put it, you know, put it in a in a secret, in the secret drawer, you know, right. that no one ever wants to open because it's full of full of the shame of the things that we got wrong, and um, and what a what a how how just so unfortunate that is because um, it it robs us of something incredibly powerful. So let me go back to the choir room there was a section one day that i was not prepared to sing well and i wasn't soloing it was the it was the tenor section and i was making a mess of it and the director shook us off right stop tenors what's going on and i was like oh i'm done you know i'm i'm about to get just uh, eviscerated right in front of the whole group and i could feel behind me the person kind of leaned forward and it was a veteran singer. It goes, he goes, um, he goes uh, Paul, he says, um, you know, we, we tenors are just really struggling with this section and we just need a little bit, we need a little bit more work on it. Um, so we're going to do that. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't David Berry, freshman, um, unprepared needs to be, you know, castigated whatever. Way <laughs> to remind him that he's so lucky to be here and he better get his shit together. Right. It was, we are responsible for what comes out of this group of people. Right. And I, as a veteran am more responsible than David Barry, because I know the standards and my job is to teach him the standard. And now he, here's the psychology of it. <laughs> he, and, and he was right because I did he is going to come back and never let that happen again because we just collectively took the bullet for the mistake and he is not going to want to let us down again and i did not let them down again mm. so if we are seduced into thinking that paul up there at the front the call him the ceo call him the um the vp of fill in the blank call him the Right, the head of the department. If 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 Paul is responsible for catching everything, Paul's so focused on so many things that his default's probably going to be to be pretty um, intense about remedying that situation. But if Paul distributes the leadership through the team and says to his veterans, "You share responsibility for what we're creating here." And so your job is because you're closer to the action than I am to find and support, mentor, coach, teach those who need that energy so that the function can live to the level of proficiency and quality we know it's capable Mm -hmm. of living at. But if the expectation is only on one person, then no wonder we end up with so many organizations being led by supremely um, arrogant and often short-sighted leaders, because it's impossible. And when things feel impossible, who who likes to feel that way? Who, Who likes to feel like they can chase everything down? Nobody. And I think what happens is we start to turn in to ourselves and say, well, then it's all on me. And so I'm gonna have to show up as this person who is no longer able to cultivate um, an expansiveness of shared responsibility. Um, How did Paul do that? Years of learning, years of training um, and and trusting through trial and error, I guess, that he had qualified enough people to fill in the gaps that he himself was not able to, to address. So leaders probably need to be thinking about themselves as talent managers first and foremost because you get the right people in the right pockets they're going to correct um challenge support people in a much more meaningful way than than you can ever do um especially when you're just overwhelmed by the kind of the amount of stuff and the amount of change and complexity that you face every single day.
2: You know the thing I love about the story, and then I've got one that was interesting with a, a business and a fifty million dollar mistake, which I'll, I'll share in a second. But whether it's in music or in sports or in a lot of other, I'm just going to, for analogy purposes, use those both. Both are already in there in the skill set. In they're they're under the hood, working it. They they've been in it for a long while, and they also know that they need you to thrive too to make it cohesive they can't abandon their teammate because they need the, you you're still a part of it and it has to all fit together and the reason why i say this is because they're in it they fundamentally know that Sometimes I think it's when you see people in positions <laughs> or people who have failed up in the business world <laughs> into positions that like, because I've talked to a lot of CMOs and uh, and marketing directors, and I geek out on like all the science and data and math and psychology and like you know and you can do this with this convert all these things. They're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, we we you know we, we yeah. And I'm like, w- w- is that an answer? And they're like, well, I mean, we have agencies that that build all that out. I'm like, okay. <laughs> so um it's the people who are in it in the it had been that that's why you also see in certain cultures business cultures thrive of the people who started from the bottom and went all the way up is because they really wanted to dive under the hood of like the art the craft the 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 company the, the what it's how it's served all the different areas all the operations whatever it might be and so Paul in this case might have done that um you know I there was a, a story I once heard uh, of this gentleman it was a finance company um uh, I can't remember I wish I could source it and this uh, gentleman made a $50 million mistake and he cost the company, you know, he, he, it was, it was, he didn't normally ever make those kind of mistakes, but it was something that was very detrimental. It cost the, the company, you know, a significant amount of money, $50 million. And the CEO calls him in and he's for sure thinking like, oh my God, like, this is the end of my life. This is the end of everything. And the CEO says, you know, um, talk to me about what happened. And he's talking about, and, you know, and he could identify the problem. He knew everything that he had done wrong. Once he figured it out and dissected, he goes, will you ever do it again? And he's like, no. He goes, okay. And what happened to your point? He felt empowered that, you know, it wasn't, you know, just this arrogant person just beating down on him. And, you know, um, just... (laughs) <laughs> you know saying you're the worst thing ever what happened he comes back and he makes a 200 million million dollar return
0: yeah right yeah. because Something he felt, gets unlocked in yeah, yeah
2: yeah because and, and and what did it do <laughs> it was a small mistake that never would have normally happened but from the mistake he found how he can optimize another area of the business that then co- caused a 200 million dollar return and so it's these little things that like actually the person who wants to take the accountability and the responsibility from the mistake can actually optimize even in that area and potentially other areas and come back even greater from yeah. the with re- the return, right?
0: Yeah. Yeah. I um I'm just sitting here thinking about how <laughs> How much more opportunity there is to humanize the workplace?
2: Uh, please go on a tear. <laughs> well,
0: <laughs> pardon me. <clears throat> it's um. It's there's a there's an artificial uh, form of seduction I think that happens when we're in environments where uh, there is so much emphasis on short-term results and those don't really correspond very neatly mm-hmm. with the very long-term dynamic fluid messiness of the human experience mm-hmm. and we want them to match up perfectly and, and they don't and so so the times that they actually do and people feel really good about those results and they worked hard and they and they see the reward those are magical and need to be celebrated more and rec- and more recognition what happens though is we miss the recognition and we just go back to the to the grind because we have to, we have to do it again. And I, I just, I, I, I think there's the risk of what I'm proposing and positioning <laughs> about humility is that there's an implication of weakness and there's an implication of smallness that goes against everything we've come to be taught and believe about how the leader is supposed to be. Right. And my my proposal is that humility really is about groundedness. And if you think of just the, the, the language here and, and the language is powerful and important. So the, the, the root word, hume, H-U-M is Latin, and it means ground.
1: I just not earth. that. <laughs>
0: just and knew so, it <laughs> so, yeah, so so that's why we say a humble person is a grounded person. We don't really know why we're saying that, but that's what we end up saying. Mm. Well, humans, H-U-M, are terrestrial, of the earth, right? An important word that no one ever wants to talk about, but that's necessary, gets to failure, is humiliation. Hmm being brought to the ground so we are brought low we're humiliated how we respond to the humiliations of life which are every day by the way (laughs) determines how much of a positive kind of humanity will be expressed through our learned humility so these are all connected together and that that ground of humiliation is that is sacred ground because it's the, mm. it's the ground from which we get to look up and say, okay, where from here? And you and I know, and everyone listening to this knows, the person who doesn't, in a healthy, positive way, channel that humiliation for the good becomes antagonistic, becomes narcissistic, becomes arrogant, and, and it's toxic and it's unhealthy and no one keeps to- toxic uh, toxicity and unhealthiness to themselves. They project it onto everyone else because it's too much to hold by ourselves and we can't help but do that. And so the mission is to say not, oh my gosh, I might get humiliated. No, it's you will get humiliated. Richard Rohr says, Richard Rohr, author, franciscan priest he says i pray for one humiliation a day so then i (laughs) then i and then i have to watch my reaction to it because it Uh, tells me exactly where i am and it might be bumping your head on the corner of the cabinet it might be saying the wrong thing it might be turning in uh uh, your uh, how this happened (laughs) my students turned in the draft of their uh, paper versus the final right so it's got docked the points. It's humiliating to realize we made such an obvious mistake. What do we do with that? Do we close off? Do we isolate? Do we channel it through uh, doom scrolling and and uh, and and negativity? Or do we say, "Look at me, human. Human once again. What's the possibility here now?" I don't think people can do that with a snap of their fingers. Mm. And the bummer is, the bummer is if you want to get to a place where you can, you're going to have to put in the work. And that's the work of your development. That's the work of facing up to your, and I am a recovering, not recovered. I am a recovering narcissist. I get this really well. (laughs) because I know that all my narcissism did was distance me from the people I cared most about, made me feel horrible about myself because I could not reconcile myself to my imperfections because I was a perfectionist. And so it only left me with less. And the, and the beautiful counterintuitive truth is by flipping that script, and embracing, yep, I'm a fallible, broken person with all these gifts and all these abilities to bring to the world, I'm still going to screw up. By owning that and playing, quote unquote, small, I now play just as large as can be because I create space for connection, I create space for learning, I create space for growth, by moving away all the debris of my narcissistic impulses and that debris is just all my old shame, all my old you know, all my old stories and move and 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 I say I say, um, recovering because it's a daily process. I will there will be a point sometime later today where I will step in it and that and that old need to be right, to prove something to, we'll, we'll, we'll raise a Ted and I'll, and I'll, and I, you know, in the Pema children language, you know, I'll bite that hook, but maybe I'll stop just short. Maybe I won't clamp down quite as strongly as I used to. Right. So the work is to learn how, even though we're our impulses lead us into these places, we we have abilities to say, I don't have to, I don't have to go all in on that negative to do negativity as I once did, because I now have consciousness over the impulses that lead me to that place. And if we can just stay in that conversation, we become a model for people, yeah. we show them our imperfection and, and and they say, but you're still the leader, but you're still qualified, but you're still good at your job. Yeah, I'm good because I'm imperfect. I'm good because I don't have to prove that I'm good. Yeah. I'm good. I'm good because I'm in the dialogue that says I I know I'm going to get hooked. I know I'm going to fall for it again and that's okay as long as I stay in the conversation about what's at stake. That's what I want the com- that's the conversation I want leaders to start having.
2: I'm good because I don't have to prove that I'm good because <laughs> I already know that I'm not perfect. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Just the crux of this statement right here. I was just typing this out while you were talking. Um, First of all, I never in a million years would have pegged you for a a narcissist at at some point. Um, But again, that goes to show how much work and consciousness that you've done. And, you know, and then, you know, something else. So I just had to throw that out there. I'm like, you've obviously done a lot of work. and, And but, you know, I've had a lot of people online when I write. They say, How are you in my head? How do you, how do you like it's like you're, you're messing with me. Like, how do you, how do you know? How do you know? Like, how do you know what I'm thinking? How do you know what I'm feeling? And I was messing with them at first. I'm like, I'm reading your minds, you know? <laughs> and they're like, No, seriously, how do you know? And I'm like, Because I'm you. And, this, and, and, this, and, and, and it, it catches... blew my
0: mind. This blew my mind when I realized this. I mean, it, 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 that this, the same, the same thing that, yeah. that we're thinking. You 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 share something of yourself. Yeah. Everyone starts nodding. You stay on the <laughs> yes. surface. You stay on the surface, <laughs> and people are kind of like tolerating you because maybe you have maybe you have interesting information to share, but you right. aren't there. Right. But when you're there, everyone starts nodding. Yeah. Because yeah. I, I, I this is I wrote this in the book. The range of human experience is vast. Yeah. The range of human emotion is actually quite small.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: We've vast. all felt the same things. We've that. all felt the failure. We've all felt insecure. So as soon as you're free to say, "Yeah," yes. and, th- and this is what I want leaders to understand: this makes you more powerful to own 100%. your faults, yeah. own your challenges, and then to say to people, "Hey, this is where I'm going to struggle. How can you help me?"
2: Right, and of That's course I you're can, here for. And of course I can help you because I've been through it in some way, and I'm still right. learning through it. You know, and uh, well, be, if yeah. you
0: as a leader say to me, "I need your help." You're allowing me to open up and offer something of myself I wasn't sure I could offer.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And you're making it okay for me to own the parts of me that need help. Yeah. So that now I might come to you and say, hey, you're the boss and you said this part's a struggle for you. You're not sure what to do here. Actually, there's something I want to share with you that I'm struggling with. Exactly. But if you perceive your leader because they show up as having it all figured out Having everything exactly as it should be, why would you ever admit that you don't have it all figured out? Mm-hmm. And so now we just have a room of people, a building of people walking around as if there's never anything wrong, when candidly everything's wrong. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it not not to be pessimistic, but no, can you can you make a longer list of complications and challenges in the world today? <laughs>
2: Hey, fam, quick break from the show. Just to let you know, I'm doing a bit more writing on my weekly letter. It's called Permissionless. I talk about all things health, wealth, happiness, and personal fulfillment. As many of you may know writing is my passion i love connecting with all of you on that i would love to see you go subscribe matt subscribe if you haven't already and also please remember to leave a rating and review for this podcast on apple or spotify as it really helps spread the mission even further and as the ratings and reviews go up even more people can learn about what we're doing over here and i really appreciate that and of course, if there's someone you think that might be a good fit for coming on the show, you can always DM me on Instagram. As I always tell you guys, DM me at Matt Gosman. You can tag them in the message and I'll be able to look at them and try to connect. And I truly love you guys. And I just want to say thank you as always. Please continue to support the show by connecting in all the other ways. And now let's get back to it.
0: Right. <laughs> I mean, it's, 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 it's obscenely long. <laughs> And and so some of us still want to show up as if no we're, we've got it. I mean that that so doesn't compute. It makes my mind melt a little bit.
2: And and that's actually why it's fundamentally shifting culture and shifting business. You know, um, to you know piggyback off of what you said when I said that when I said that to people, I'm like, well, I'm you. I'm like your path is different, and we're having uniquely different life experiences. But but yeah. I'm you. We all go through it. You you put it so well about um, the the human emotions are are very they're much smaller and how much we're all experiencing the same thing, and um, and then you know the other part about why things are changing and just like what you did with municipal mentors and why this is so important is that um, what's happening in businesses and with people's influence online. Um, I use the word influence in the healthier way, not the <laughs> abused way. Um, is the humility driven people who are just very open as they call it, build in public. It's a very big movement when you are open, say here's what we're doing and how we're building it and how we're doing it. You're welcoming people into your, um, your path, into your journey, into the mistakes and to the wins and the losses and the, um, and the information and the education. And they are actually now feeling more comfortable and trusting and, um, You know, and they're learning from you. And then they're sharing, like, hey, by the way, have you thought about this? And you're like, thank you. That was the piece we were missing for this. Uh, We would love that. And even like when you guys were asking us, like, hey, how can we do this better for the, the mentorship program? It's things like that that allow you the openness and the flow of energy and information to thrive. You know without the the nuances of like no everything's perfect and no we can't ask these people and no they're not related to us we can't it's like it's that rigidity is pure blockage you gotta ask we yeah. gotta
0: ask what what is it that we really want
2: yeah you know
0: because if what we really want is limited to our self-interest mm. then the blocks the blockage will remain if what we really want is this group of people to thrive because the goals are big the challenges are complex And um, there's no way one or two really smart people is going to be able to figure them out. Well, then that's a powerful motivator. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, if you're a leader listening to this going, okay, um, just, just where do I start? Start there. What do I want? And is my answer to that typically about myself or is it about us and what we're here Mm -hmm. to do and just start there. And then if the answer is about self-interest, no harm, no foul, you're a person like, okay, now, start with you <laughs> right start 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 digging into that what's made it so important for me to be self important what's made it so important for me to prove something mm. what's behind that the root of the root of most narcissism is an unhealed injury so it's a wound and and the reason i'm able to say that about myself is cuz i figured out what the wound was And it took a long time. It was painful. And and I'm proud of doing that work. But again, I'm not done. I'm not done because the wound remains the wound. You can't go back and change it, but you can continue to change how you work with it. And, And that's the work. And so if you're courageous as a leader, you say, whatever's true about me, what got me here, I need to know what that is and what the implications really are because I have other people's lives I'm responsible for and that's a sacred responsibility. And so if, it, if you're gonna take on that mantle of leadership, I do believe you owe it to them and to yourself to get behind what it is motivating you to show up the way you do.
2: Perfect transition to the question I wanted to ask, which is even in the personal environment, how has that changed? How has your life changed since going from recognizing, you know, um, the wound and the people that were in around you, family, friends, and then you going through the changes, how have how have they been both affected, but also witnessed you go through the change and and, and, and whatnot? I would love for you to share that.
0: Anything you can name, you can you can normalize. So as soon as you name it, you make it small. Mm, wow. And and that's that's, that's the power. That's, true. that's the power the thing that we obsess over as being so in control um you know victimization right we've given power to something else and when we name it we we make it small and so i think one just everyday kind of way to talk about it is to say it can be talked about it's not this precious um secret scary thing that's hidden away it's in the open this is real this is this is what i came from and then my job is to change the narrative. It took me a while to figure out how to do that. When I did, now I'm responsible. I'm no longer the product of some experience. I'm not, that's tr- that remains true, but I don't get to use that as justification for my behavior. Now my responsibility is to say, yes, that's true. And as that shows up in negative ways in my life, I'm responsible to do something about that. So what it's allowed to have happen is a quality of conversation primarily in my married life that has been uh freer uh mm. infinitely more candid um and 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 safer right gone are the oh my gosh should we talk about this we're going to sink the ship mm-hmm. and 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 present are the every time we talk about it we build the ship to last longer <laughs> It's the opposite, you know, and to get that in our heads is so hard to do. Name it, stay in it. Um, and I think what it's done for me professionally truly is I can I can be with people and help facilitate their expression of their own challenges because I don't I I, I don't feel um stranded in the mess of that. A lot of people get uncomfortable, you know, and 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 divert the conversation, and some we know we know when someone's not quite ready to hear what we have to give, because we're humans and we're built to protect ourselves. And so, you know, I, I I like to think that I've created I can create an environment where people can be candid with me because they see in me someone who can hold that as the sacred truth that it is about who they are and what they what they want to be. Um, it's just changed, I think. I think it's just changed my everything. Intensity. Yeah. It's changed my need to be to diagnose, right? To be right. To figure stuff out. Again, I still feel those impulses, but not nowhere near to the degree of concentration or intensity as I used to. And I can just sit with sit with the unknown and be like, "Great, you know, okay, <laughs> another thing we don't know, another wrinkle, another change." What do we do now? Okay, we do what we've always done. We get back to what matters most. We get centered on mm-hmm. the core values, the mission. The, the the Do the strategies and tactics have to change because the circumstances have changed? Yes, they have. Well, that's cool because we have really smart people here who can help us figure out what to do differently now.
2: You know, that honesty, whether in the family life or in the business life, it's so bonding. It's an interesting... um thing that I have found you know when you said like name it and one of the the ways that I I had found that out I remember in a in a um relationship last year um there was a moment where uh, I was I was I was frustrated but what I was saying was not what I was frustrated at right oh yeah and I was telling this woman (laughs) who's now a really good friend um I was frustrated but uh not reactive not you know yelling or anything like that and and she was also responding in a way that was very like outside of herself. And I remember saying, can I tell you something? She goes, yeah. And I was like, here's what the real issue is. (laughs) And I was like, I'm having a jealous moment from this, um, uh, related to like something she was doing really well that I, I wasn't on that on my game as well in that, that week. And I was struggling from it from that, you know, uh, and instead of hiding that I was just, I was, you know, having a very beautiful open moment. And she's like, can I tell you something about last week? And I was like, yeah. And she goes, I was jealous of you when I was listening to you do, talk about all these things. And I'm thinking, I'm like, should I be doing that more? I don't think I'm doing that enough. Maybe I'm not that good. And she, she's going to tear. And the two of us ended up laughing because they weren't true what was in our head. But we were go- each individually going through a moment. But the exercise was so bonding from that yeah. honesty and truth that yeah. you now have a deeper sense of trust, relatability, respect you know, integrity, like all of these things. So like you said, when you name it, it minimizes it. And then it also brings like this beautiful bond between whether it's in a uh, um, a personal relationship or in a business. And you're like, Hey, you know, here's what we're trying to figure out with the business. And we are just stuck. Like, Oh really? You're stuck there. That's the one thing I actually really understand. Like, Oh, I would love your feedback. What What do you think? Oh, you could do this, this and this like, man, I'm so glad I told you how I was feeling. It's just, it allows for this greater, um connection but when we hold back we can play all kinds of other assumptions and other things going on uh, out of the fear of being found out or figured out or known but like if fundamentally we are all technically dealing with a lot of similar things just in a different perspective or different capacity um then sharing actually is moving things forward and faster yeah. And minimizing it, the, the thing that's 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 blocking us the, to begin with you know
0: the human the human brain and the human <laughs> nervous system is is not our uh, friend in, right? in these <laughs> in these situations because so it only it only cares about uh, survival yeah and so any perceived threat it can't true. it can't sort out the threat of competitive jealousy versus the threat of the deep dark forest it has no way to distinguish It just knows the impulses and it acts on those and it acts on those impulses. And so we immediately go to that defensiveness. You would call that like, that's the amygdala hijacking, right? Mm -hmm. We go right to that defensive place and, and then reason if it's given a little room, you know, catches up. Mm -hmm. And then if we have a little bit of courage, we can say, oh, I just got hijacked,
2: (laughs) I got morning.
0: totally hijacked. I got hijacked <laughs> and and I got jealous of you and I was feeling competitive. And, 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 you know, I've had some time to think about it. And, and now you're repairing yep. and the beauty, like you said, now this relationship has somewhere to go mm-hmm. even stronger because you were able to share the vulnerability of saying, look at that. I was human again. Yeah. You know,
2: Yeah. what a, what a shock, what a shock, right? Yeah. And even, you know, I was funny, I actually, I got hijacked this morning, something so random out of, uh, is it random? Uh, and so, uh, and especially after coming off of such gratitude last night when I was having some reflection and meditation time. And I literally, I had to call a friend and am like, hey, listen, I think I got hijacked. <laughs> you know, and I was explaining what, um, you know, what was happening. And it was so, and, and in those moments, yet another reason for the humility of it is because, others outside of us that are also trusting bonded connected individuals to us who know us can also ground us back to be like oh well you know a here's a perspective and b you know here's what you were doing and here's where the focus is now and like look amazing yeah. what has happened from this focus in this short time period and I was like oh you're right <laughs> you know and it and it, it grounded me back and so that humility if we can't supply the, the the groundedness from us somebody else can because we're open to it um, if
0: we have I mean what an extraordinary gift to have people in our lives who we oof. can go to and say oh my gosh look what here's check this out look what I did right look what I did <laughs> look what I did again and they can just they can just be with us and hear us yeah. and and support us through it um, and we all know what that feels like because it's real Mm -hmm. And and then, you know, we have to ask ourselves, why have we convinced ourselves that we can know and experience that quality of openness and connection? But because we drive to a certain building and we're getting paid to be there, is it the money? Is it the status? Is it the chance of promotion? I don't know what does it, but we shut it off. And we say, no, that that doesn't have room for that here. Now, this could be, I have high hopes for the generations coming because I don't think they've got this same um, kind of sense of being stuck in the corporate life versus the personal life. There's much more of a holistic perspective and it's really going to benefit us, I think. But there's still enough of us (laughs) in these (laughs) corporate roles who I think are stuck holding on to this this professional, this, this facade mm-hmm. that says, you're, you know, you come in here, you're it. And, you know, show no weakness and, and make sure you have your, your shit together. And I don't know, I'm banging the drum again and again and again, it's just, uh, it's not real. And because it's not real, it's not attractive. And right. because it's not attractive, people aren't really going to, follow that. They may follow it in name only because they're paid to, but are you getting the best of them? Are you getting that creative juice? Probably not because they don't feel safe to give it up, but they'll give it up when someone's like, what do you got? Let's go. We need, you know, like open this thing up and it's imperfect. It's messy. And out of that comes really great things, but we got to learn how to tolerate the mess. And that's the work of development.
2: And it's a perfect segue into the anti-status quo to get back to that. And I'll tell you why, what I was thinking when you were talking is I, because I, and even at an age of, you know, 43 and kind of that start of, you know, being Y, Gen Y, and that start of kind of the rebellion of something's not right right here. (laughs) Like, and, and then also I just couldn't naturally fit into corporate. I tried, I tried breaking in a lot of times. In fact, I, like was not hired from hundred percent of the jobs I applied for. Um, and that also blows people away. <laughs> They're like, didn't matter what the credentials I had that back me. In fact, I even solved a few problems along the way of people where I was like, oh, I'm surprised, like, didn't I kind of just solve a three million dollar problem? You know, but um I so I took where I'm going with that is I took a path less traveled. And I also realized it had nothing to do with them. Well, it had everything to do with your own path. Sometimes it's just the, the doors aren't open because there's just a right. different path. So that was one of the lessons. And then I realized, okay, also, I was never aligned anyways, in, in a lot of that infrastructure, at least for the my experiences, not all experiences. And so when I, where I was gonna go with the anti-status quo was what happened was I because I took a path less traveled, I had to figure out a lot more on my own and from, you know, individual entrepreneurs and mentors and people who I saw doing things. Thus, humility was not an option. It's going to happen (laughs) regardless, because you're like, I'm swimming out here in in waters that I have absolutely no idea. Um, And so I think there's beauty and and this I'm going to actually here's the best part, I'm going to tie this right back to what you just said about the youth. There's beauty in yes, we can be the anti status quo. And we can Go against the, you know, the norms of what used to be done and also the stuff, but we have responsibility at the same time. In fact, we have even, and this is where I think the youth are going to start to, hopefully, with our help with what you're with, certainly with what your background is, start to take on the responsibility. You're 100% right. You don't like the way things were done. 100%. And, you know, listen, there's a lot of different nuances within all of that too and a lot of different, you know, variables known and unknown. However, the beauty is you're also the painter and the sculptor and the chef and the person who's going to now have to create it and take on the responsibility. The being You can be anti-status quo all you want, but the humility now that comes with, okay, so I guess I have to build from here and i have to ask good questions and i have to show up every day and i have to work from scratch versus an infrastructure that i can just go yeah. plug myself into that i uh, right, currently yeah. don't agree with you're absolutely right you don't agree with it guess what if you're going to be rebuilding new infrastructure there's a uh, twice the amount of responsibility and work <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know so it's it's a yeah. beautiful like crux for that younger generation and uh, now i'm lucky cuz a lot of i'm i'm a lot around a lot of online communities and groups of where i'm seeing some of these younger millennials and Gen Z, where they are all about discipline. Now, that's also because of the environments I chose. And we've got a wide range of 20 sums to 40, 50 sums. But I get that there's also another world of them not. And so I just, I love the idea of you can be anti-status quo and you can want to change. You can want to see change everywhere, but nobody's coming to help you, but we can be the change and we can then help others from that change. And so...
0: i was teaching a a management class a few years ago and i felt i just was going through some of my own learning and and thinking critically about this particular syllabus and i felt like something was missing something from about me was missing from it so i wasn't personalizing it enough and and there was less of a heartbeat to the class than i really wanted there to be and so i introduced poetry to this Mm. this management class and I decided to start every class with a poem that I felt had relevance to the subject matter of the day. So, teams, or power, or influence, or communication—you uh, name it, right? What those those kind of core subject areas. And, and 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 my 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 point in doing so was to say that if we if we fall in love with and get seduced by the hard edges, the binary realities Mm. of the organizational experience, it's this or this, you can either burn it all down or you can sell out and just keep going with what it is. Uh, then, then, Then we're gonna have a very sad and miserable professional existence in organizational life because those are pretty rough options, right? But because we try being human, to to hyper simplify our experience we reduce things to those kinds of binaries right the power of poetry is it will not be reduced <laughs> it will not be it will it, it will only enhance our capacity for staying on kind of a soft movable edge and i don't know a better prescription than things like poetry or the arts to help us stand on that soft, movable edge of life today, much less corporate organizational life, um, because it challenges us to say, yes, we need a structure. We need this organized. We need a process. All things that we must have. How we go, how we create, deliver, teach those things is totally up to us. Right. So I don't believe it should be negotiable. Um, the way that you install a seatbelt in a new car or an mm-hmm. airbag, yeah, that that I want you to follow the instructions on that. That's really important that you follow through and do that right, right. I'm not talking about that kind of, you know, some kind of looseness with things that are proven and that work. I'm saying if you don't work in the car factory and selling seatbelts and and airbags. Why do you act like everything is as important as that? Mm. Why is it, maybe that's a, just a crap analogy, but pick pick anything else where, here's my, my really cheap analogy. If the building is burning and you know the exit, I need you to tell me where the exit is. I do not need you to get into a conversation with me about where I think the exit might be. That is not helpful, but we tend to act like the building is always burning <laughs> and the built and the building is not always burning. No. It just feels, it feels like it is. So how do we reduce that impulse to need to be in that binary world as opposed to softening it and saying, this is a moment where I can bring in some reflection, some conversation, the qualities of connection that help people express ideas and parts of themselves that will move us towards solutions in ways we never would do if we just mandated that there's one right way to get to an answer hmm. or that there's just one answer so an imperfect riff on your great comments but i think how I, I think we we we've got to make space for that possibility in our daily leadership and and even just asking that question is this really is the is the building burning is it Okay, if it is, then go. Then, then, then rush us out the door. Tell us what to do. Be direct as you want to be. But if it's not, and the building burning is pretty rare, then make some more space. Mm. Give people, give people a voice in the conversation.
2: I love you know. It's and it's it's never as big as we're making our head. The fire is never as big as we think it is. <laughs> <laughs> you know? So Rarely again, is. and and again, which is kind of that point where you said you minimize it by talking about it. I mean, there's so much relief to the nervous system <laughs> when you just say the thing, move through the thing faster without hesitancy or, um, you know, worrying about what other people think. But again, rightfully so, we are all humans. We're all souls having human experience, and we <laughs> we all feel these human emotions. And like, can I say that? You know, can I say that out loud? You know, and I think, um, I people ask. Uh, all the time. And I say, you know, it's just practice. And I'm um, by no means perfect at it at all. Um, there's a lot I don't say. There's even that much more that I do. And constantly, even learning uh, part of building in public, even online, is pushing the boundaries even more. Because to the very point of, listen, if people ask me, I go, like, you know, how are you on my mind? You know, and how have you dealt with this? Or, or, you know, do you ever even deal with that? I'm like, oh, wow. Am I having a conversation around that enough where they go, oh, he gets us because he's dealt with it, versus just mm. you know, you know. So I've even I've even pushed my own, you know. Uh, and it's interesting because I I find that the more I have these conversations where people want to know about you as the individual online, they want actually want to know like what did you go through, and it wasn't right. until I started having those conversations that, whew, and I'm like yeah. oh, that makes a lot more sense, you know, because they. They connect from the relatability of, cool. You don't have your shit all together. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like, yeah. No, I. I mean, I said I said on my stories a, a lot actually. Lately, I said, look, I'm gonna be really honest with you. None of us know what we're doing. We're just some of us are wanting to figure it out along the way, and we're telling you about it. You know, and that's really. That's really it. Um,
0: That's the um, Oliver Berkman wrote um, time management for mortals, an incredible book, mm-hmm. highly recommend it. But he wrote, he wrote a column years ago um, in the guardian. Everybody's just winging it, you know? Yeah. And then and then he just rewrote a, a new piece on that recently, um, like doubling down on it. You know, everybody's winging mm-hmm. it. And I, I some, excuse me. <clears throat> I had some people push back on that when I shared it because of the natural human tendency to say, I'm not winging it. I have my shit together. I have it figured out and like, (laughs) okay, you know, good for you. You're impressive. And you know, if you need that, um, recognition for doing some things well, then, then, okay, I can provide that to you, but you don't know what's going to happen tomorrow.
2: It's true. You think, you know,
0: based on your past experience. And it would be impossible to get to sleep at night if all we did was sit there and dream about all the things that could happen tomorrow that aren't so right. appealing to us. So we give ourselves a narrative story, you know, about what, what it's going to be. Um, and and the, the, the freedom, you said this earlier, about the relax, relaxation of the nervous system, the freedom of acceptance is profound. I'll control what I'll control. I'll implement the processes that we believe work. We'll do our best. But we're going to stay in conversation with those things. We're going to keep talking about them. We're going to keep reading the results. We're going to keep adjusting, and that is going to set us up for real success when anything super dramatic happens because we've already built the muscle of of a con- of a of a day to day conversation about what's possible.
2: Mm. Right? You you know I love the the the. And so true, by the way. And I love that when you said, you know, I've got my shit together. Well, you know, Kobe Bryant had his shit together and he still practiced and played like tomorrow a player could go out on the bench that like I rely on because they may like get an injury and you just never know what can happen. And so, you know, playing life, knowing that it's all, you know, I I know that which I do not know. Right. Is that like Aristotle or some of that? I know that which I do not know. Everything. I mean <laughs> right. so like you can easily tell somebody like, hey, did you ever like Aristotle or Plato? Like, oh yeah, one of the greatest thinkers of all time. Like you realize the quote that he said, I know that, which yeah. I do not know, everything, <laughs> you know. So it
0: was once said to me in you know wonky uh consultant language, uh, build capability before you need it.
1: <laughs>
0: well, it's a beautiful sentiment, but if you think about what that would take, right? That's that's Kobe's mindset about being prepared. Um but in a workplace well how will i know what capability exists within Bingo. this team if i don't mm-hmm. talk to them exactly and so what a fascinating conversation with a team member to say hey what are your what are your strengths your passions your interests beyond what you're doing here every day mm-hmm. or their corollary to what you're doing here every day that i might not know about because there might be a time when it would be really important to activate those
1: Mm
0: -hmm. or even further, right? Like how much of their engagement actually depends upon being able to activate some of those things that they're quietly passionate about, but might not feel comfortable yet saying, Oh, this is actually really how I want to express myself. Mm -hmm. This is what I really have to offer. I've just been showing you this part because this was, this is what was in the job description and what I thought you were asking for. So are you saying that I can bring this part out? Well, let's talk about it. Mm -hmm. That fascinates me as a possibility. And I hear the people in my head right now saying, oh, my gosh, David, you are in la la land. (laughs) When am I going to get the time to talk to these people? When am I going to be able to kick back? And engage in that kind of. And even if I did, how do I even know they'll be honest with me, et cetera? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're not doing it, if you're not doing it, then you really have to question how you define the term leadership. Mm-hmm. Because to me, it means I'm a talent manager, I know my team, I know, I know third level knowledge of what my team's got under the hood and what they're capable of and what they're passionate about. And I can deploy that because I put the time in that's called change management. I mean, that's just smart. Yeah. And I don't have the time is it's, it's, it's really a terrible excuse. It it just, it, it, it really, it really is.
2: I've never liked that excuse because to me it's then what are you making time for? (laughs)
0: and 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 and, you know (laughs) that honest reconciliation hey if we were all shown back our day to us right Mm -hmm. And fast forward you know we we none of i don't i don't know uh, plenty of people would be uncomfortable with having to see that let's just say that i'm sure there's people living their day just as they want and it would look great and there's plenty and and then there's us or me anyway who would be like oh that's interesting but I wonder why you made that choice or I wonder why you squandered that opportunity or I wonder why you, know, you could have read, but you watched or, you know, blah, blah. Uh, and after the sting of the <laughs> the moment of truth comes the learning opportunity after the humiliation, right? After the moment we're like taken down, what do we do with that? Oh, okay. Okay. Then yeah. Knowing my team better is one of my secret weapons as a leader. All right. Where am I gonna Where am I gonna put that in my day? How am I gonna yeah. architect that? Here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna take 30 minutes a day for the next two weeks. I'm gonna you know what I mean, like be as systematic as you want. Mm-hmm. Hey team, I just need 30 minutes of your time, and we're gonna get into a rhythm of some different conversations, and then everyone's gonna talk and get freaked out, and go, what's this, <laughs> you know what's what's her problem? What's his problem? What's going on? And then you have a conversation, and you do it again, and you do it again, and it probably takes three or four. And people go, oh, he means it. Yeah. He he wants to know.
2: A hundred percent. What
0: are you going to do with this information? I don't know. Yeah. I just know I need to know you. I know I need to share what I'm thinking about. Mm -hmm. And if we don't make time for it, it's just not going to happen. We all get sucked into everything else. But there's going to come a point when it's going to matter. I'm going to make sure we're ready. Mm -hmm. Okay. All right. What do you want to talk about? You know. And then then the power really starts to... um, Get generated, and they start bringing the, those things to you.
2: Yeah, hundred percent. And they feel safe. I know to do we're. So.
0: I, I know we're not supposed to talk today, but I wanted you to know about this thing. I had this cool experience. I had an idea. I want. I was just curious about something. Oh, what, Yeah, you said it. Safety, psychological safety. This is a term that's all over the all over the organizational world right now, yeah. and I love it. It's so much more powerful than engagement. That we use that term forever. I like hmm. psychological safety because it gets to it in a much more acute way.
2: Right. Holding that space without judgment and actually for allowing ideas and excitement and thoughts and feelings and emotions to come through. Um, not so they can be, ex- well, some, you know, some things, especially with emotions, expanded upon, but um, almost like kind of to your point, Um Brought back down to a level of like, ah, like this feels good to actually be able to talk about it. And some of it's not real from the emotional side, but I, I'm glad I have a space to do it. Somebody I trust, or from an innovative side, hey, I got an idea. And it's cool, because it allows that I, I know for me, thank God, I mean, all my friends are entrepreneurs, for the most part, I have to meet with at least one of them a week, I need that that balancing that not balancing that sure. bouncing of ideas of like, I need someone to share something with. And even to say, no, like, oh, have you thought about that? Like I haven't, but keep going. This is good. This is good. You know, it's like you, you, that interaction only expands you even more. So um, wanted to ask, cause I, I didn't, I didn't realize we're going deep on some time. <laughs> so um, where, like what's, what's going like what's coming up that you're really excited about or anything, you know, and whether, you know, be with the book that's going on that you, you, you know, you launched this year or within municipal or within your own organization, uh, please share anything that's like coming up that you're really excited about.
0: Yeah. I, I realize, you know, that I'm really, I'm really living in three kind of professional domains these I days. <laughs> the, it, and, and it's, it's really, it's gratifying. I mean, the, the most significant one is is municipal and we touched on this earlier but building building a culture in an, a really interesting set of circumstances where mm-hmm. we're still young trying to prove ourselves mm-hmm. um working out of a, a, a co-working space that's challenging us in terms of communication and connection and um you know w- working working to to kind of stay connected and close so we can have the conversations necessary to to grow the business Um, i'm in the classroom at cal state san marcos which is which is near my home Uh, here i live in vista california in uh, just outside of san diego um and so i've got i've got the municipal experience and then i get to go into the classroom with business students who um, helped to shape my thinking about the municipal experience and municipal helps me uh, share with them the real life in real, real, in real time, the story of, of building something and what it looks like, at least from the perspective I hold. Um, And then I have my, my consultancy, which is not really active these days because of those other priorities, but that's really the vehicle through which the book was launched. Um, And, and that's a chance to share and hopefully, facilitate bigger conversations about the the shape of leadership and the shape of leadership um, in in an age of as you said the expectation of humanization the expectation of personalization um, and not just the expectation of it the real power for business results <laughs> of meeting people treating where they are treating them, um, in a way that sees them as fully formed human beings who have a lot to offer
1: mm-hmm.
0: and are looking for outlets to offer it. Um, that's, that's what's going to win the day, It's a silly phrase, but employer of choice, if you're looking at this through the lens of, again, being an employer or being a leader of a team, you want to attract talented people, help them see that, mm-hmm your place is a place where they can bring those parts of themselves that they might not get a a chance to share elsewhere because that organization isn't quite ready to be that invitational about Mm -hmm. what it, what it wants from its team. Um, So it's a fun, it's a fun uh, personal and professional life. Um, You know, having impact really matters to me. Um, But that, but impact through, being a, I love the word facilitator. I, you know, I, I love that, you know, just setting, setting up the kind of conversations that help people entertain new insights, get curious and be willing to start asking new questions. That's, that's, that's a win.
2: That's Mm -hmm. a win. I think it's an incredible time to watch the shift in culture and shift in business. Um, I'm enjoying watching it. <laughs> Everything in business. When you, when you, when you go online, you speak out like, at, like into an echo chamber for ten years. Then finally, in twenty, really believing in digital, and then people going, you know, people kind of coming around and be like, "Oh, wait a minute!" You're like, "Yes," <laughs> you know. It's like, hey, these conversations about humility and leadership and things like that, we're like, they're now more like, oh, wow, that's going to kind of save us, isn't it? Like, probably. <laughs> it's probably what is kind of needed, you know. Um, I love it. I love it. Thank you so much, you know, for coming out. Where, where can people find out more about you, the book, um, you know, any of the social media accounts, please share it all. And of course, I can also put them in the, in the show notes too.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. So by all means, uh pay, pay a visit to municipal.com mm-hmm. and have a look at very exciting things happening there. Um, for my personal work and the book, you can go to rule 13 learning.com. That's my personal website. Um, and, um, reach out, you know, I'm, I'm, uh, um, very eager to have more and bigger conversations about Mm -hmm. this, this material and, and welcome, welcome the chance to do that.
2: Oh man! Well, you know, and I tell this by the way to every guest that comes on uh, because it's a journey-driven podcast. So you're welcome back on any time. I would love a round two because I, I already know the different uh, directions we could take that into. Sure. Um. That'd so you know, yeah. So like two months from now, a year from now, six months from now, you know, a month from now, whatever you you let me know. Um, I welcome it often. Actually, and uh, a few have taken it up. Uh, you know, so. Uh, please, you know, feel free anytime you're welcome. And, uh, you know, thank you so much for, for, for doing this. You know, I know we, we went quite the distance on this for time-wise, but I appreciate you coming on the show.
0: It's my pleasure, Matt. It was fun to hang out for a while and share some ideas. And I love the idea of coming back because, you know, in all humility, um, my ideas, my approach is going to be tested and challenged and, um, yep. shaped by conversation. That's what conversation does. It it, it shapes it, uh, shapes our point of view if we're willing to let it. And so to be fun to talk about how that's happened with me, how I was resistant to that, how I was open to that, right? And because that's the process. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'd love that. I'd, I'd yeah. welcome it and, and appreciate the invitation to do so.
2: 100%. And for everybody listening, um, so you can find David online. Now, he didn't give you his personal social, so just go to Rule 13. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um,
0: at, at, at Rule 13 Learning on Instagram. Perfect. At Rule 15 Learning on Instagram. Um, and then and then LinkedIn is a place I spend quite okay. a bit of time. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's, uh, I think, David C. Barry is, uh, is my handle on LinkedIn. Shouldn't be too tough to find, especially with Municipal and, and Rule 13 Learning attached to it.
2: Amazing. Everybody, municipal.com. That's where you find both of us actually hanging out uh i i just you know work my way into their <laughs> into their culture <laughs> and uh no but uh with municipal mentors which you know we'll we'll give more uh for 2023 initiatives and um you can check out david seaberry on uh, linkedin rule13learning.com and uh you know just appreciate you guys for tuning in uh yeah seriously it's been a journey these six or so years all the downloads but more importantly just building a community amongst all of these types of conversations uh, and having you guys participate and listen and offer um you know feedback has been incredible so i appreciate you guys for my amazing guest david Berry, for myself matt goddessman and for the hustle sold separately we're out <music>